0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. All right, grab your Bibles, turn with me this morning. Like I said, I was going to preach something else. I've been mulling over a number of different themes recently, and um, I won't even tell you what those are right now. I want to just get to what we have to speak on this morning. We've been doing this It Is Written series and uh, really focusing upon the Word of God in our lives. And um, and so this morning, early, early this morning, this went through my mind, I thought, okay, I'll go there. So I'm gonna take you to one portion of scripture in Joshua chapter one, verse eight. You know, while you're going there, let me tell you this, kind of set this up. You know, this, this tells us the story of the great Joshua, the, the man who came out of Egypt with Moses, the deliverer, the man who was the attendant of Moses, the scripture says, the man, um, wherever Moses went, that's where Joshua went. He was the man in the valley fighting the Amalekites while Moses stood above with his arms raised. This was a man given authority by Moses to be a leader. This was a man that was now given the mandate of God to lead his people into the promised land. This was a man who would have the responsibility of leading the people across the Jordan River. The man who was called to lead, he was called to take the people to a place where God had promised. Let me stop there for this morning. Let me say to you that be Understand this, you are called to lead. Mom and dad, you are called to lead. You're called to lead your children to a place that God has intended for them. There's a place where God intends you to be. We know the things he said to Joshua. We, we quote them a lot. Be strong, be courageous. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Everywhere you set your foot, I'll give you. I don't want to focus on those this morning. I, I want to focus on one verse that God said to Moses. He said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. How many of you would like for your way to be prosperous? How many of you would like for your way to be successful? How many know God gives you a way on how to become that? Mm, You weren't so quite enthusiastic on that, right? In this verse, God gives three commands and two promises to Joshua. And so I want to t- t- take a walk through this for a moment, all right? I, I want to take a, w- a walk through it, and let me begin with this. So God looks at Joshua. He gives him a command and tells him about the book of the law. And the first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is this command that the word, it is to be written upon your mind. How I many you of know God wants to write his laws upon your heart and his mind? I mean, the promise of the New Testament is that they will be written upon our hearts and our minds, Now, think about this. So, here's what he says to Joshua Meditate on it day and night. Meditate it day and night. Let me say this to you this morning that what you think about day and night will shape your day and night. What you you think about day and night will shape your day and night. How many of you, don't raise your hands, I'm just going to ask some questions. How, How many of you are constantly thinking about your sin? it'll shape your day and night. How many, I said, don't raise your hand, Gary. <laughs> all right. How many of you are thinking about your anxiety day and night and your fear day and night? How many of you are thinking about your addiction day and night? How many of you are thinking what you think about day and night, what you meditate on day and night will shape your day and night? Okay. Think about that for a moment. What you think about all day will shape your day. will shape your night. And yet, the Bible says, and he tells Joshua, meditate on what is written in this book of the law. Meditate on it day and night. Hmm. Now think about this. It's a shaping of your mindset. It is a forming of your mind. It is a shaping of your mind. How many of you this morning can say, I could do, I could use a mind makeover? (laughs) Right? That That you could use a mind makeover. Okay, the Bible tells us, That Romans says what? To not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let me remind you something. The people of God were going into a land where God was not God. Now, let me say this to you. He's always God, but he was not recognized as God of the land. He was going into a heathen land. They were going into an idolatrous land. They were going into a land of polytheism. They were going into a land of systemic evil. How many know this morning that you, child of God, do not live in a world that honors God as God? And how many know that world in which you live wants to shape the way you think? We are living in an age now when it's it's almost like Nothing can mean anything and anything can mean everything. It's trying to shape how we think constantly. That wants us to to call what is evil good and what is good is evil. And there's a constant barrage of trying to get us to think a certain way. And yet we cannot be conformed to this world, but we have to be transformed. And the way that happens is the renewing of our mind. And how does our mind get renewed? by the word of God. Romans eight, Paul said what? For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. All right, now think about this for a moment. Let's face it. Let's face it, God, let's just be honest. Can we just be like totally honestly transparent for a moment today? How much do we really meditate on his word day and night? Just asking a question. How much do we really do that? Wow! some of us get up and and listen, I'm going to say some things and some of you might get ruffled. It's okay. God loves you and I love you and you love me. But can I just say to you that meditating upon the Word night and day goes beyond a half-hour devotional in the morning. Praise God for a half-hour devotional in the morning. It goes beyond some of that. All right, let's think about this for a moment. You see, I'm I'm just going to say some things this morning that just might bug all of us, even myself. You see, because what I believe is that for us, if we're going to do this, if we're going to get the word on our mind, let me say this, that getting the word of God on your mind may mean hitting the off button. It may mean hitting the off button to get it on your mind. I have an off button. Don't really like it, but I have an off button. Anybody have an off button on their phone? I know, but pastor, I'm reading my, phone, my Bible all the time on it. You're lying. Getting the word on your mind may mean hitting the off button to your phone. It may mean turning the off button to your computer. It may mean hitting the off button to your tablet. Or it may cha- say, change it from Facebook to his book. To meditate on it day and night. It may mean turning off the television. Do you know how many hours I can go home at night and sit and waste watching television? And listen to me. This is not a message against television. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Listen. Television isn't evil. It's what you make it. It's what you watch. It's amoral. The internet isn't evil. It's what you make it. But the point of the matter I'm making is sometimes we need to give up something that might not be bad in order to get something better. If I want to meditate, I may have to turn something off. I might have to turn off my mind to get his word on my mind. You understand what I'm saying this morning? You see, they were going into a land where the word of God was not prevalent. They would be aliens in a foreign land. The word of God was not the norm. They were not to have their thinking shaped by the land, but rather it was to be shaped by the word of God. They were not to have their, word, their, their thinking shaped by idolatry. It was not to be shaped and forged by evil. It was not to be shaped and forged by the ungodly influences. Some of you may have to turn off the 24-7 news channels for a season. I told somebody one time, I said, you need to fast the news. They said, what? I said, you need to fast the news. It has totally consumed your countenance. And you need to get into the word of God, shut the news off for a while, and allow God to renew your mind. You see, they were to go into the land and think differently. They were to act differently. They were to be a legacy of a godly people. They were to be Moses in Egypt, Joseph in Egypt. They were to be Daniel in Babylon. They were to be the disciples on earth. How many know this morning that's who we're called to be? We are called to live and be and think differently in this world. That the word of God would be on our mind. What you meditate on day and night will shape your day and night. It cannot happen. Listen to me, I'm just gonna tell you the way it is. It cannot happen if we never move beyond. And again, there's starting places, amen? How many know you don't start off running a marathon? I don't know why those no sick individual want to run 26.2 miles anyhow. Had this stupid idea yesterday. Penny had a migraine on Friday. Had to leave her car at work. So it was still at work. And I said to her yesterday at about 12.30, I'm going to go get your car. I'm going to walk and go get it. What was I thinking? <laughs> so I walked to get it. It was cold out yesterday. You don't start off running a marathon, but if you don't progress past the 5K, you'll never run a marathon. And I'm just saying this way, start off with a devotional, but if you don't move beyond the, the <laughs> you've got to move to maturity. And the, the higher level of maturity will demand a greater meditation upon the word. It'll demand a greater investment of your time. It'll demand you turn something off and turn it on. It'll demand you turn it off. Listen to me this morning. Some of you don't have anything inside of you. When the enemy attacks, you can't say it is written because you haven't taken time to know what is written. Come on. I'm just saying, man. I'll, 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 okay, I'll, I'll go to the next one. It's to be, it is written to be on your mind. God didn't write it to just be in a book. He wrote it so it'll be on your mind. But He wrote it so that it would be on your lips. What you meditate on day and night will be in your mind. Typically speaking, what's in your mind is going to come out of your mouth (laughs) eventually. How many of you ever just, I just speak my mind. How many of you know sometimes you just need not to speak your mind? How many of you know sometimes you need to let the Word of God shut your mouth? Come on. That sometimes the Word of God in your mind will actually shut your mouth because your mouth ain't speaking from the Word of God, it wants to speak from your flesh. But how many know if you allow enough of the Word of God in you and you renewed enough and it does your mind and it renews your mind enough, how many know that eventually it'll be the Word of God that automatically can come out of your mouth? Oh, you don't believe that. Some of, you are, uh, some of us have been practicing negativity so long that negativity is an easy byproduct. Some of us have been practicing cynicism for so long that we can be cynical without even thinking about it. It's second nature. We're cynical about church. We're cynical about the pastor. We're cynical about rangers. We're cynical about girls clubs. We're cynical about this. We're cynical about that. Why? It's become second nature to you. How many believe the word of God can become second nature to you? But it takes a renewing of the mind. See, your mouth is a fountain that flows from your mind. We also know it flows from your mouth as a fountain that flows from your heart. Out of the abundance of a heart, a mouth speaks. A broken heart will often speak in broken ways. Amen? The source will determine the state of the fountain. Let me tell you something. I've been to India. I ain't drinking out of that Ganges River. No, 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 no. They put dead bodies in that river. I watched them put dead bodies in that river. Pastor Troy and I were there. The people were brushing their teeth in that river. They were drinking the water in that river. And it just, it just is. A contaminated source will cause a contaminated fountain. A corrupt source will have a corrupt fountain. A dirty source, dirty fountain. What you meditate upon will be in your heart and in your mind. What's in your mind and in your heart will come out of the fountain of your mouth. You can't speak what you don't know and you can't speak what you don't believe. All right, now think about this. Sadly, our mouths have become a lot of different things. Our mouths have become fountains of failure. All we can talk about is the negativity of our life. All we can talk about is the negativity of everything. I I can tell you about my failures, but listen to me this morning. I want to tell you about my awesome God. Hmm? Sadly, our mouths have become fountains of despair. Now, I'm gonna use an analogy that many of you young people will not get. It's okay, let us old people relish in in a moment. Y'all remember Hee Haw. I saw Hee Haw commercials the other night. They're trying to sell stuff on that time-life thing, and all I remember seeing was Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. How many remember that song? Come on, you old people, put your hand up. All right, your whole life is singing a song, Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. That you're full of despair, you're full of failure, you're full of hopelessness. It's just all that comes out of you. Why? It can't be. Listen to me. This cannot have taken root in you to produce that which is coming out of you. It's this fountain has been contaminated. Sadly, our mouths have become fountains of fear, not faith. Everything is yeah, but, but we can't do this and but I can't do that. The problem is. Let me talk to. Mom and dad for a moment. The problem is, you will speak it to your family. And guess what they will pick up on? They will most likely pick up on the language that you have spoken. Y'all know that none of us want to say what our parents said. Right, how many of how you many have ever heard your parent coming out of your mouth? <laughs> like, I can't believe Tony Marie, shh. And all of a sudden, you said, I, you, you, were, you were young, I will never say that to my child. I will never say that when I'm a parent. And then that fateful day came when you said it. <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, oh, I am my mother, I am my father. But how many, how many believe that your mouth can, can be of like a fountain that reflects your father in heaven? You, you see, because you, you're going to speak. And what you speak is leading your family. What you speak is around your friends. What you speak is to those who are watching you. What you speak of to those who stand against you. Your speech will either be formed by the land you're living in or the word of God that lives in you. Let me say it again. Your speech will either be shaped by the land that you're living in Or that which lives in you. Daniel's speech was not shaped by Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's speech was not shaped by Babylon. Joseph's speech and what came out of his mouth was not shaped by Babylon. Let me say this to you this morning. We are not to be shaped. What comes out of our mouth is not to be shaped by this world, by this Babylonian culture in which we live. Then how in the world do I change that? I change it by what goes in to the source, from the source, we live in an age where many of us speak what we hear. We're living in an age when the media is trying to shape what comes out of our mouths. Okay, if you're watching this one over here, you hate Trump. If you watch this one over here, you love Trump. If you watch this one over here, you don't know who Trump is. We're living in an age when the meditation of our hearts is not the word of God, it's the meditation of our life is Facebook. I love Facebook. Within reason. I think it's a fun place. It's a fun thing to do. Can I just, Well, never mind. Go go there. (laughs) See a whole lot of contaminated fountains on that sucker. Oh, well. (laughs) We're living in an age where we meditate 24-7 news, where we meditate on the internet, we meditate on TV, we meditate on ourselves. We meditate on anything but the word of God because we have so much to consume our life and consume our time. We've become the mouthpieces sometimes because of this of an ungodly influence. They were to be a voice in a land of idolatry and those were hostile. It is written to be on your lips. How do you respond to situations? Jesus is in the wilderness with the devil. Led there by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that'll mess up some people's theology. <laughs> right? And when he's in that wilderness, being tempted by the devil, what happens? Out of his mouth, he begins to speak. And what he speaks is the word of God that was on his heart and on his mind. And it was the word of God out of his lips that became a weapon against the enemy who was trying to destroy him. Some of us are in a battle, but we don't have any weapons. Some of us are in a battle, but you don't have a tool in which to fight back. Paul said to put on, what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The only offensive thing in that armor. I'm going to tell you something. I bought Liam a... we had this wonderful morning yesterday. Tony was away. She was away. And, and so I said to Eric, I said, let's take the kids and we'll go get breakfast. So off we went to breakfast. Me and Eric and the three kids in the back of the truck, and Carson's in the middle. When all of a sudden she's not sure she feels well, not back work. And all of a sudden we pull into the Denny's parking lot, and Eric jumps out of the door because Carson starts throwing up in the back seat. <sighs> And we don't have a bucket. <laughs> I had a shirt and pair of pants back there. I said, Here, throw that on her. <sighs> so we take her home, right? Take her home. Her and Eric stay home. Men and the boys go for breakfast. <laughs> ain't no sense almost staying home. <laughs> we went, there, but the boys had chocolate chip. We had to go get chocolate chip pancakes. And I told Carson, I'll bring you something back. So then we went to five and below. I guess five below or whatever that thing's called. We went shopping for the boys and for the girl. Okay. And Liam comes home with the... One of those those Spider-Man things that stands about this high has water in the bottom, and you punch it, and you hit it, and you punch it, and you hit it, and all that, right? And and, then it manages like, you know what happens? Some of us are like that thing. We're like the pinata for the enemy because we don't have any. We have we put on armor. We might have tried to put on the helmet, and we might have tried to put on the breastplate, but none of us have a sword in which we can hit back. You're a bouncing pinata to the enemy. Taking body blows constantly, but never fighting back. You fight back with the word of God. It's a weapon in your hands. It is the sword of the spirit that you speak against him. But some of us are weaponless. God does not want you to be one of those things. Do <laughs> you ever notice they don't have no hands? They're like, they, they, they remind me of Dagon in the Old Testament when God knocked his hands off. <laughs> You want victory over the enemy, but you have no weapon against the enemy. You're not using a word against them. Listen to me. Some of you are trying to use your emotions against them. He's not afraid of your emotions. He's not afraid of your thoughts. He's not afraid of your words, but he will bow to his words. Your speech is carnal. Your speech is self. Your speech is worldly. Your speech is negative. You're negative about everything. You're pessimistic about everything. You're cynical about everything. God said it's written to be on your mind. It's written to be on your lips. And then I want to go to another one. It's written to be in your hands. Say, Huh? What do they mean by that? Think about this. What we meditate on day and night gets in our minds. What's in our minds gets on our lips. What gets on our lips gets spoken. But then the proof, quote, is in the pudding, right? The rubber meets the road when my thoughts my speech and my actions line up. I've met a lot of people who know it in their mind and speak it on their lips, but their actions never follow it up. I've met people that can quote the promises of God but never act on the promises of God. It's gotta be in our hands, we gotta act on it, we gotta move on it. You will do what you think, you will do what you believe, you will do what you speak from belief. All right, so God says, listen to me, you don't let this depart from your mouth, meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do it all according. Everybody say all. God's never called us to partial obedience to his word. Let's be honest. We've taken some parts we like to be obedient to, and there's other parts I don't like to be as obedient to. Can I get an Amen. Guilty, there are some things I like in God's word better than other things. Like that whole, that, that whole turn the other cheek thing, I'm not real fond of it. I read, I read a thing the other day, I just loved it. It said, I'm holy enough to pray for you, I'm hood enough to swing on you. <laughs> I like that. You, you see, you, you listen to me. It's not a smorgasbord. It's not a buffet. That you can go and pick and choose. I love buffets. Actually, I really don't like them all that much. But when I go to one, there's certain things I like and there's certain things I don't want. Right? This is not what this is. This is the word of God to be heeded to in, to, in totality, not partiality, which means it impacts your thought life, your speaking, and yes, it means your money, Take it up with him. He wrote it. It means your attitude no longer is an excuse. Well, that's just the way I am. That's not good enough anymore. It's just not good enough. Well, that's the way my father was, so. That's the way my mother was. <laughs> it's not good enough anymore. God's called us to a standard. And the only way we can get to the standard is when we do it all, not some. He says to Joshua, get ready, get ready, get ready. I mean, if it says get ready, you gotta get ready. I have such a sense of anticipation in my spirit right now with what God is going to do on the horizon, I can't even hardly contain myself. Now that doesn't mean it's always easy. (laughs) As a matter of fact, it's kind of funny. It's been hard, but the anticipation is high. He said, get ready. We're going to cross the Jordan. But if you're going to cross the Jordan, you're going to have to do it this way. You get the priest, and you step into the Jordan. You carry the ark, and it's going to part. There is no other way. This is the way we're going to do it. This is the way that Jericho is going to come down. Joshua had a word from God. He had a word from God. He was to meditate on the law night and day. It was to be on his lips. It was to be in his mind. It was to be on his hands. You have got to act upon what's in your heart and your mind. You've got to operate on the word of God. You know, remember James? James says what? But prove yourself doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. Sometimes I want to forget who I see in the mirror. (laughs) Like, I thought I was a lot skinnier than that. We got a defective mirror. I mean, you like to walk away and forget some of what you see right? He's immediately forgotten what kind of person he is, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but effectual doer. This man will be blessed. What? You're telling me that the word of God, that if I hear it and I do it, I'll be blessed. Well, sounds like a novel idea, Can I just say, be here very boldly this morning, some of us think God has not been blessing us, but the fact of the matter is, some of us have not been hearing and doing. And the blessing follows the hearing and doing. The disconnect between God's words and the promises is often when it comes at the time of application. It is written to be on your hand. God's word shapes your heart. And your mind, that shapes your speech and the work of your hands. If the word is only in your mind and on your lips, but not in your hands, you'll never benefit from it. I mean, you know, it's meant to have an impact in your daily life. Now, here's what God said. God said, Joshua, don't you let this law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. And be careful to do all according to all that is in it. Then. Everybody say then. then. How many know then is a pretty good word? Commands here. Then the word then. Followed by blessing. Then you will Be prosperous and successful. Then you, watch what, I like the way it says in this verse, then you will make your way successful. You will make your way prosperous, and you will have success. Hmm. How many of you want to be successful? Great. The rest of you just want to be a bunch of failures. Praise the Lord. A lot of faith in the house today. You will make your way prosperous. I want you to notice what God said to Joshua. Meditate on it day and night. Don't let it depart from your lips. Be careful to do it all. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have success. How I many of God's plan was a done deal? How I many of God already had a path that was written for them? God's promise was certain, was it not? God wanted to take his people into the promised land. If failure was the outcome, it would not be God's fault. It would be Joshua's fault. God did not wire you to fail. I mean, we fail because, generally speaking, we fail when we what? Sin. Unbelief. When you and I meditate on the Word, speak the Word, and do the Word, we are agreeing with God's already proposed agenda. Therefore, we are making our way prosperous and successful through obedience. I'm agreeing with him. Success comes when his word is on my mind, on my lips, and on my hands, because I'm aligning my way with his way. I believe he already has a way marked out for us. How many believe that? Sometimes I don't like his way. Can I get an amen to that? Sometimes I like my way. I know he's the way maker, but sometimes I just wish he'd let me be the way maker. <laughs> right? I've thought about this. So what would that look like? You see, because instantly what many of you are thinking is I want to be successful and prosperous, and you're instantly going to your bank account. It will have an impact on your bank account. Amen? I have no problem saying that. That's not the goal. It's not the goal. If the goal is your checkbook, if the goal is your bank account, go cheat the world. <laughs> Let's talk about this. So I, I, I'll, 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 be, I'll hurry. And everybody said, please do. Let me give you a few things this morning. I know we've had a lot packed in this morning, but how many, how many are okay? Good. Because There's nothing on TV worth watching anyhow because you're going to go home and meditate on the word anyhow. And there was nothing on last week worth watching. You see... I'm going to give you a few hallmarks that I'm just, I just want to tell you, I want to show you what success and prosperous looks like if I can, or, or at least there's some hallmarks about it. The, the first of those is when Joshua would take the word, be in his mind, be on his lips and be on his hands. Then he could expect in his life that there would be supernatural intervention. How, how many of you like when God super intends in your life? When's the last time he has supernaturally moved in your life? That it could have only been God. We had one Friday. I'm not going to go into the details. But our God met and, went, and he was moving in our behalf. You see, think about this. The Jordan River parted. The walls of Jericho came down. You see, the supernatural intervention of their supernatural God was because they obeyed the Word of God in the natural. You have got to obey him in the natural if you want to see him move in the supernatural. We, we talked about it one time in our Nehemiah meeting about the power and process of God. That a process often leads to a power moment. The process was walk around the city of Jericho for six days. On the seventh day, seven times. And as we walked out the process, what happened? The supernatural, the power moment came from God. Success comes when my when the supernatural touches my natural. These were people who lived the supernatural lifestyle. They stepped into the Jordan. They stepped around the Jordan, or, or carried the ark into the Jordan, marched around Jericho. Success is a byproduct of hearing the word, speaking the word, applying the word, because I'm sowing it with my natural, and God does the supernatural. Supernatural intervention. Another one, a hallmark, if you will. I don't know how to even phrase what I'm trying to say today, but I just want to give you some things that I think are part of this whole success and prosperity deal. And secondly, is it sonship over slavery? Think about that for a moment. I already gave it to you earlier today. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. They were slaves. They hadn't been circumcised. They were a whole generation that was still living under the reproach of Egypt. Because prosperity and success has always been the plan for sons. What do you dream of for your sons? What do you dream of for your daughters? How many of you working in ways to help make them Successful and prosperous. Of course. The reproach of Egypt was rolled off after they crossed Jordan. Sonship was found in that act of circumcision, which was cutting away. How many know we've been circumcised in our heart? The Bible says. They were different than the world. It's what set them apart. Our hearts are circumcised. Listen to me this morning. You have got to move from a a slavery mentality to a sonship mentality. Three, no more manna. No more manna. You're saying, what is a freak talking about now? Manna was a good thing. It was if you lived in the wilderness. It was if you lived in the wilderness. The Bible says that on the day they ate the fruit of the land, the day they were circumcised, they ate the fruit of the land, that the manna stopped. Manna was a wilderness staple. It was a wilderness provision. Manna, even though it was a blessing from God, was a limited blessing from God. I mean, you could only gather so much. You could only get so much. If you tried hoarding it, it just wasted away. That you live, listen to me, I'm telling you, many of us live as, like, like we're still in the wilderness. Manna was a wilderness provision meant for a wilderness moment that ends when you enter the fullness of God. Think about it. Many Christians are living off manna. Are living off of what falls to the ground rather than what they plant in the ground. They had to, the only way they could eat this manna was if God supplied it supernaturally from the sky. It fell and touched the earth, and they could gather enough up just for today. How many know there was no sowing and reaping involved? There was no sowing and reaping involved whatsoever. If you're going to be successful and prosperous in the kingdom of God, it will be because of sowing and reaping. At least part of it. Listen to me. Because so let me take you to the next one. Next one is sowing and reaping. See, now they would live off of what they would sow and they would reap. The first year in there, how many know they reaped from what they didn't sow? But if they were going to eat again, if they were going to have an abundance again, how many of it was going to happen as they planted seeds and they would reap a harvest from what they planted. The Bible is very clear on sowing and reaping. I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about in everything. Some of us want to reap from seeds we never plant. Your failure is not God's fault. (laughs) Sounds like you're being so hard on us today. I'm not being hard. I want the best for you. It is written, the title of the message says, it is written to do it. It is written to do it. You sow according to the word of God. You sow, you plant, you reap, you harvest. That would be a hallmark of success and prosperous. Number five, another hallmark would be dispossessing and possessing. You know what we're called to do in the kingdom of God? We are called to dispossess some things and possess things. Case in point, we went to Hope Community Church, which was then Lower Fairview, which was then the church was ran down, ran shackled, condemned to be torn down, a home for drugs, a home for addiction, a home where the enemy was running rampant in people's lives, and God said to this body of believers, go over there, dispossess the evil that has squatted in that land, and repossess it for the kingdom of God that's what we are called to do as the body of Christ. You say, how do I know that? I see it all through the Old Testament, and I see it in the book of Acts. What do you think Paul was doing when he cast out a a, a demon out of a little slave girl? What do you think he was doing? Listen to me, church. If we're going to be successful, it is going to be successful in prosperity linked to dispossessing and possessing. Success was found in their ability to dispossess the evil that had squatted there and possess it. It's when they took from the enemy and they made it God's. I put a post on Facebook this week that God stirred my heart about the artisans. Some of you saw it. Some of you commented on it. For those of you who did not, let me give it to you real quick. You've been saying you're gonna do it quick for an hour, I know. It's all a matter of perspective. I'm fast compared to Carson. I read a scripture in Kings where that story was Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and he took back to Babylon soldiers and the nobles and so forth. And they said he took back the artisans and it hit me like a ton of bricks. That he had taken the artisans who were gifted and endowed by God to build things for his glory. And the enemy had taken captive the arts for his own use. And in our culture, the arts for years have been taken and hijacked by the enemy and used for anything but godly purposes. And my God is going to raise up a righteous remnant of artisans who are going to do it for the fame and the renown of their God, not for fame and fortune. And they're gonna do it for the glory of God. I'm telling you, it's gonna happen. The next one, victims Victors, not victims. They were no longer victims. They had spent decades as victims. They spent decades, centuries in Egypt. Not all this generation, but the previous generation had spent centuries as victims, as slaves, being brutalized, oppressed. They had spent decades as victims their forefathers were victims of Egypt. Their forefathers were victims of their own unbelief. How I many you know sometimes you're not a victim of the enemy, you're a victim of your unbelief? They're victims of their forefathers. Can I tell you? It's time to stop being a victim of mom and dad. They would not enter into the land that God intended for them because of their victim mentality. And now they were to move into and they would be victors, not victims. You know what victors do? Can remember I told you this before? It's an amazing thing. When they're wandering around the wilderness, every battle, they were on the defensive. When they went into the promised land, they were on the offensive. Come on, baby. Our God has made us a promise. Let's go march around Jericho. Let's go take AI. Let's go take this one. Come on. Our God has made us a promise. We're going to operate by the word of God. We're going to apply the word of God. We're going to speak the word of God. It's in our hearts. It's in our mind. It's in our, on our lips. It's in my hands. Let's go dispossess evil. Let's go be a victor and not a victim any longer. This is what they did. But it's interesting to me. And I won't take the time to do it today. And everybody say Amen. I believe I could take you through the book of Acts that parallels the book of Joshua in many ways. These men and women called by God, taught by Jesus the word of God, the word of the kingdom, and with this, they were to move, and they would go into a territory, and they were to go into a realm that they had never lived in before, and that they would have a supernatural intervention of their God, and they would be people that would no longer be slaves, and they would be actually sons, and, and they wouldn't live off a manna and a wilderness experience, but rather they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, that makes a big difference in your life, right? And there would be, they would sow, and they would reap, and they would dispossess, and they would possess, and they would change cities. They weren't victims. They were victors. You see, it's written to do it. It is written not just to know it. It is written to do it. It is not written just to believe it. It is to believe it, to think it, to speak it, to do it. It is written to be in your mind. It is written to be in your mouth. It is written to be in your hands. And I might say it this way: It is written because God has written prosperity and success for your life. Now, again, come on, Troy! Don't you love those words? Some of y'all dismiss this because you instantly go to, "I'm going to have 16 Cadillacs, I'm going to have four mansions, I'm going to have one on each coast of the United States, I'm going to have one in Spain." I'm going to have stop that nonsense. If that happens, praise God. If God blesses you beyond your wildest imagination, praise God. But that, will, that would never be a blessing of God if you don't start sowing the Word of God. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the state of your bank account this morning. Although I believe that we live according to the Word of God, it actually has an impact on our bank account. But I'm just telling you what I think the Bible says. I'm talking about a mindset. I'm talking about the condition of your life. Are you going to tell me that the early church wasn't prosperous and successful? They weren't by the world standards, but they were by the standards of the kingdom. Are you going to tell me they weren't? Are you going to tell, listen to me, this is going to sound really crazy. Are you going to tell me that even though Peter got his head, or not Peter, uh, uh, James got his head cut off, he wasn't successful and prosperous? Oh, he was. Uh, Are you going to tell me that Peter, when he was crucified upside down, wasn't successful and prosperous? Oh, he was. Just not the way we measure it. But I believe with all of my heart that God, my Father, my King, who's called me to a mandate, called you to a mandate, wants you to be successful and wants you to be prosperous. But the Bible tells me that there is a pathway for which that to happen. There is a way in which I can make my way prosperous and successful according to His way. And that way is that it shapes my thinking it shapes my speech and it shapes the work of my hands that i hear it i speak it and i do it it is written to do it but it's got to start here to here to here can i get an amen oh i like an amen better amen than that this morning I want you to be prosperous. I want you to be successful. I want you to be that what God wants you to be. But I'm telling you this morning, I'm going to leave you with this and another 40 things I say. God is calling you and me, to meditate. meditate. What I mean by that? To, to, to think upon, to dwell upon, to chew on, to consume the Word of God into our life. That it becomes second nature thinking. It becomes second nature speaking. Matter of fact, it becomes first nature speaking. I'll, uh, forget about that second nature stuff. I don't want to be second. I like being first. That our first nature is the word of God. Our first nature is to think God's thoughts. Our first nature is to speak God's word. Our first nature is to do God's work. That comes about by the transforming of my mind, the transforming of my heart by the word of God. And then I know, that I know that I, I know, my way will be successful and prosperous according to the plan of God. So as the worship team comes, because they're back there waiting for me to go and pray, and they're going to sneak up while nobody's looking. Oh, they don't know we all peek. <laughs> Here they come. Dun, 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 dun. I'm such a goof sometimes. I, well, just, like, I, I just imagine Jesus, Okay, now wait a minute, guys, we've got to get the right moment to sneak up. <laughs> rotten, right? I'm just rotten. I'm going to say some things, and I'm going to be done. Go home and I challenge you to turn it off so you can turn it on turn it off so that you can put it on turn it off so it gets on your mind turn it off so it gets on your lips everybody say turn it off everybody cried (laughs) Father this morning having some fun But it's very serious. You looked at a man and you said, I'm going to take you into a land that you've never been. I want you to take these people into a land they've never been. I want you to take them into a place I have planned for them. I have a place planned for them. I have been planning this place for centuries for them. I have been planning this moment. I have been planning this land. And I want you to lead them in. And the way that you're going to lead them into their prosperity, the way you're going to lead them into their success, is if you will meditate on this word night and day. And it will not depart from your life. Today, God says to each of us, meditate on my word. Get it on your mind. Get it on your heart. Get it on your lips. Get it on your hands. So that you make your way prosperous according to him. There's a promise there, gang. It's a promise in the scripture. And you will walk. In the land of a supernatural God. In the land of no more manna. But you'll walk in a land of sowing and reaping. You will walk as victors, not victims. You will walk as sons, not slaves. You will walk dispossessing and possessing. Mm. So this day, this day, this house commits to your word your word in Jesus name and everybody said come on stand up with me